in the afternoon. It's episode 12 of Misinformed Nation for August 22nd, 2021. Stepping down through your mind, clack, clack, clack. Returning champion, it's Billy Bones. Good day, everybody. And back from getting bent over the Weber kettle from the great state of Tennessee, it's Sir Sir Seat Sitter. Did you have any hairy encounters this weekend? I don't know what you mean by hairy, but yes, either way. <laughs> and I'm Boo Berry. I've not seen Sasquatch. I got no eyes on Sasquatch, but I'm Boo Berry. I have seen a Mothman around these parts. If you're asking, yes, I haven't shaved my pubes in a couple weeks. I'm not sure what the question was, but I'm assuming that's what it was about. This better not be turning into a Manscaped commercial. <laughs> I didn't get a check. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know what? We decided to move the show in a new direction. I think we'll start taking ads. Uh, the only start- check you need is when you look down and see, I need to shave my pubes. That's when you check. These, these shears? Like a straight razor? <laughs> use the uh, shears use that a- you use for trimming lamb. Yeah, I use a weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> real close to the skin uh, well I guess uh, we're going to change this episode's format up just a scotch we've decided to step away from the on stream off stream show sort of not uh, not comparison but the to play off of each other I think we'll go down to one show for the time being but we got some some ideas in the fire about how we can really just shake this all sorts of up and i'm pretty excited to see if we can get it to work i'm feeling hopeful feeling hopeful yeah i I loved what you were sending me about the we still do the on off once in a while we like what we're doing today everybody just brings one show and we dive a little deeper into it but i i like the idea of changing it up to where nothing is off the table and not limiting limiting ourselves to what we were doing before i like that idea yeah so uh i i guess to sort of get it in your head think rotating hosts rotating formats and rotating guests it's like roulette you never know where it's going to land until the podcast comes out or at least when it airs and if you want to if you're in the no agenda community and you want to pop in for a show just hit us up and come, come on, on in. in my friends FBI open up unless you're unless you're a fed um, then we will send no, you. No, feds are welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm I'd sorry. Love to ha- I'd love to have a review from a spook. That's fine. <laughs> well, can, you, can, you, can we uh, schedule a meeting on abs and a six pack for a fed and Alex Jones to sit in with Sir Seat Sitter? I'd like to hear that conversation. I think that already happened, but I'm not going to go into more detail of why I think that happened. All right. <laughs> Well, shit, I think uh, we rolled beforehand to see who would go first, and Billy Bones blew it away with a 20 on the D20. Critical hit. Yeah. But uh, what you got for us today? So I decided to bring an on, on-stream on podcast, the Privacy, Security, and OSINT show by host Michael Brazel, and I feel that his show is a fantastic way to educate ourselves in things that happen within the uh, security state 
so that way we're all better protected and ways in exposing how exactly how vulnerable we actually are and this comes from episode 214 offense defense of the capital siege and uh very non-political all he does is go through the affidavits to show uh how things are played out and he's him, the guy with the book right he's like i he has the he's book he's got like four four books yeah but yeah well, I've, I've enjoyed his show and it makes me every time i listen to it i'm like wow this guy's really pointing out how insecure my data really is <laughs> and that's kind of what i hope to help illustrate just through one of his episodes uh, today, but we'll talk. We'll let him explain how he sourced all this information within the Capitol siege. For this show, I used publicly released FBI arrest affidavits for all of the content I'm about to present. I didn't want to use biased news sources. I would not use any social networks. I would not use anything on Twitter or any commentary. I am only going to focus on the evidence presented in these court testimony documents for this episode so that we can remove a lot of the bias and a lot of the inaccuracies that's been floating around. So again, it's all from source documents, source materials from the FBI uh, and how that they tracked all of these individuals down. And he starts off with uh, a disclaimer on why he kind of wants to let you know about situations like these. And again, just through the, the Capitol uh, riot on January 6th, innocent bystanders can get taken out with this kind of information. Before you get mad at me for identifying ways in which the people I discuss could have avoided the technology used by the FBI during these investigations, please consider David Quintavalli during the riot at the Capitol there was a man seen in a video uh, hitting police officers with a fire extinguisher at the Capitol. He struck at least one police officer at the Capitol. This is when the Reddit army and all these different places go online and start to try to solve crimes. So a lot of people on Reddit were trying to find out who these people were. They were crowdsourcing the effort to identify the people in all these videos committing crimes. One person found the man who had been who had just struck police officers with a, with a fire extinguisher, and he believed that that man was very similar to David Quintavalli. He looked like him. There was and there was there was a, a visual similarity there. That's when the doxing the doxing began. So all these people on Reddit and other places start saying, okay, uh, here's who this guy is. Let's find out more about him. Here's where he lives. Here's his cell phone. Here's his wife's phone. Here's his son. Uh, here's where he works. And they start doxing him online. People began calling his home, threatening him, threatening his family. And then some people physically responded to his home. Neighbors were complaining to him at his home. People were yelling at him, calling him a murderer and a terrorist at his own home in front of his family. He was then reported to the FBI. The FBI interrogated him. But here's the deal. He was not at the Capitol. 
He did nothing wrong. During the time of this unknown suspect attacking a police officer at the Capitol, David was shopping at Aldi buying steaks and then stopped by Home Depot. And by the way, he kept receipts from those trips, which is the first thing he gave to the FBI when he was forced into an interrogation. The FBI cleared him very quickly. It was very obvious he was not the person they were looking for, but he continued to get calls at his home. He continued to have unwanted visitors for an entire week. And it was to the point that the local police had to be stationed outside of his home because of all the threats he was receiving. It would only be a week later where the suspect, the actual guy that they were trying to find, was Robert Lee Sanford Jr. He was identified and Robert Lee. So So that is why you always keep receipts. First of all, I don't, I usually, it's like I get a receipt for something like, you know, I buy some beef jerky or some fucking groceries, whatever. It's like, I just toss that shit. But the main, and I've heard this episode prior and I had the same thought when I heard this episode was I I need to start keeping my receipts because if the feds show up and say hey was this you on this date and I have a receipt showing that I was somewhere else that's my first out and I never keep receipts but that was just under the terms of FBI interviewing all the open source intelligence uh, which is what OSINT stands for a little paraphrased but it's he, again, he was doxxed, he was found out, and everybody coming after him. And then when he was interviewed, like you said, the receipts kind of really saved his ass. And, you know, just because we all say, you know, what information do I have to hide? I've got nothing to hide. I'm not doing anything illegal. Your does, online does presence. <laughs> yeah, just being in today's day and age, you will you will be found whether or not you want to be. And hopefully it's under better, better circumstances than this. And if I, if hypothetically, if one of us was doing something really bad, couldn't we just hire people to go out and buy things at like Walmart or food city or Kroger's at the time we're committing the crime and give them, have them give us those receipts. And then we'd still have that receipt from that time. Usually I think the idea is to, to, Say to keep that quiet part quiet. I'm not sure you're supposed to say that part out loud. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate here. The receipts aren't concrete proof necessarily. Well, why wouldn't you just go get yourself a a receipt printer at that point? That way, Good there's point. there's less. Uh, I am speaking to the law-abiding citizens. Exactly. We're not talking <laughs> to anybody doing anything illegal. <laughs> I've never done anything illegal. Is that funny? It's pretty funny. Obey laws. All right. <laughs> so, but as far as printing out, going, having someone else do all the receipt shopping and whatnot for you, they need to be using your credit card. They better be able to forge your signature. Not me. I pay cash every time, bro. I only use cash, so it can't well, be traced to me. can't properly That's- trace you. So we'll actually have to go through the security monitors to verify that was you. At the checkout stand. If anything, that's Wait, even more suspicious. Wait, are you saying they suspicious. didn't do that with that guy? They just looked at the receipts, and that was enough for the FBI. They didn't look at the security cameras. That part I can't answer. Okay, I didn't do that that much research. I'm taking Michael Michael's word for it. Well, Michael didn't do that research either. I don't think. Oh, this is fake news. Then all of this fake news. <laughs> I just so I just want to say real yeah. quick that mob justice is pretty horrifying. Oh, it's very scary. Very scary. That's 
one thing I'm always afraid about and not that I'm out here to do something wrong or do something bad or piss someone off, but who's, who's Bob justice. Is that like a car dealer, car dealership? Bob justice, Toyota. So. (laughs) Alrighty then. (laughs) Yes. Painful. So I'm in jail. jail. I'll, uh, I'll just shut up for a minute. So within uh, all these affidavits, uh, a lot of information points directly back to the social social media companies. One theme I saw throughout all these affidavits was a lot of references to Parler, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok. Those were the five networks that the FBI seemed to really focus on because those are the ones that were used most by these people. Uh, Most of the people inside the Capitol at this time wanted to share with the world what they were doing. They probably regret that now, but that's the world we live in to where we we feel the need to constantly tell the world what we're doing at all times, whether it's in our best interest or not. So everybody's 30 seconds of fame has the potential to come back and bite them in the ass. Reasonably so. Again, if pics or it didn't happen and when there's video evidence and you share it, Again, on social media, don't be surprised when it comes back to bite you. And that's directly pointing to the individuals that got caught on January 6th uh, trespassing. It's over 500 now, right? That have been arrested? Something like that. But so not only are subjects within the pictures of the video, the pictures of the subjects, but people surrounding them. Uh, this example uses a video of some lady being getting videoed and then she posts it. It's recorded with her phone and she posts it to Parler. And yet even still the FBI is able to find out who is doing the recording. Open source intelligence was used according to this affidavit to find out that Deborah owned a small business because business records are public. That business is registered to her, but a man named Philip Vogel is the president of the business. That doesn't mean that this other guy is Philip, but that's probably the strongest lead they had at that time. The FBI then searched on Facebook and found a Facebook account attached to a person named Flip Vogel, and there's some similarities. So now they're trying to put the two together. Then the FBI found a local Pittsburgh news report from a year earlier which interviews a man named Flip Vogel after he had to be rescued because his boat struck a log during night fishing and they had to rescue him from drowning. The news interviews this guy named Flip Vogel. The voice of Mr. Vogel fits the voice of the videographer that could be heard in the video posted on Parlor. Now remember, Deborah posted a video of herself on parlor inside the Capitol, they can hear a man's voice that's obviously doing the video capturing. That voice matches the voice of a guy named Flip Vogel as being interviewed on TV. They learned about his name from Facebook. The FBI then matched the tattoos on Vogel's hand in the surveillance video to the same tattoos on the same hand in the video interview from the media. So now they've got some much stronger evidence that this is the man with her at the time. Now that they are focused on him, they start going through his social media and they see that the day following the Capitol riots, Vogel had posted a photo of him capturing a large fish 
And the caption for the photo was, got this monster in the Potomac, which is a river in the area of the Capitol. The beanie and the scarf and the Facebook photos matched the exact same items that Vogel was wearing in the photographs showing him inside the Capitol. It matches a surveillance video and then basically more Facebook posts really locked in that that's him. So very basic, very simple open source intelligence, the kind of stuff, again, that the Redditors used to initially dox someone. Uh, granted, the FBI has a little bit more resources than the average uh, basement dweller, but the option, the availability is still there. And when we have forums and collections of individuals with a focused mind, a focused purpose, uh, you start hitting levels similar to that of what the government has as far as resources go to dig into all of this information that is available, be that public business records. Uh, news re- reports and just comparing tattoos and pictures. Start burning your tattoos off, everybody. <laughs> or do it like the Yakuza do it and have everything underneath where the suit is going to be. So that way, when you're a businessman, you look all prim and proper. And when you take your shirt off, you look like a badass who's going to kill someone because you're a Yakuza mob man. Nothing says I don't want this job like a face tattoo. Hmm. This is true. So, but we'll uh, we'll listen to Michael's uh, defenses on uh, how he would prevent situations like this of just the posting of the video. We should all be careful of the things we post on social networks. This is why I have anonymous LLCs. I don't make my partners public. I don't make the members of my LLCs public. You don't have to do that. Well, you might have to in some states, and I avoid those states. This is why we should be cautious of interviews with news media. I know that 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 quick interest of the media to interview you about something might make you fairly more famous for three seconds but that will be online forever. It'll be archived. It'll be visible to the world forever. You can't ever take it back. So the next time that you find yourself in a situation where you could be interviewed by some kind of news media, remember that's forever and there's nothing you can do to remove it. So again, stay away from things that live on the internet forever, such as the internet and (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. But Obfuscating everything through LLCs and whatnot makes that's just another layer of security that individuals can be aware of, be that cars, homes, businesses, and how you can work around the rules to how you file your paperwork and how things just kind of play out. But also at the Capitol, that they weren't just using Facebook pictures and video to get everything, find out who was there. They were uh, doing a little bit of geofencing as well. Next, I saw a lot of references to geofence search warrants. We talked about that in the show before. A geofence search warrant is when the FBI or some other law enforcement agency says, I'm looking for people that did something. I don't know who they are, but I know where it happened. So you tell me, big corporate company, everyone who was in this general area at this time based on the technology which you possess. I saw this uh, towards Google. There was many references within these affidavits of geofence search warrants to Google 
And they basically said to Google, give us any account information of any smartphone, which Google had detected at that date, at that time, at that location, based on GPS satellites, Bluetooth beacons, Wi-Fi access points, and cellular towers. Now, Google doesn't necessarily have access to all the cellular towers, but Google has access to a lot of that data on your device. If you have a stock Android device, your device is constantly calling home to Google and sending your location, the Bluetooth beacons you've uh, you've come across. If your Wi-Fi is turned on, it might tell you all the Wi-Fi access points which you have seen in the area. Google collects and archives that, and when the proper search warrant is sent to Google, Google will disclose all that information from your device. I've got nothing to hide. Why do I need to worry about turning off my cell phone, uh, Wi-Fi, or Bluetooth, or whatnot? And just the idea of the geofencing. I have this conversation with my wife on a weekly basis. It's like, why do you leave your Wi-Fi and Bluetooth all the time on every single day? Not only is it causing more RF radiation to emanate through you, but it's draining your battery and you never know who's watching. But the battery drain is the one thing that really probably makes her care. Well, everybody's also got Bluetooth headphones. They're getting rid of the 3.5 millimeter jack because no one uses it. And actually the last phone that I had, I broke inside there. I'm, I'm not gentle with cell phones though. But so they're just cheaper materials and use less and less because everybody's just breaking them and their cords are in the way. If only there was a way to make sure we didn't lose things like this, maybe by attaching a cord to them. But geofencing is a good way, again, to find out who's been there, who's been at the scene of the crime. Everybody wants to be that person on CSI that gives the interview to the cop and saves the day. And Michael used to do a, a lot of, I think he's a former police officer, definitely former detective at some level, and talks about an experience during a double homicide. Geofence search warrants are issued constantly. I've issued them many years ago. I, I issued them during homicide scenes. I had a, I had a double homicide where two people were killed in a, a parking lot of a club. And I wanted to know who was there. And I did a geofence search warrant to cellular providers and Google to say, give me any phone that you see at this scene within this 15 minute block. And that provided us a long list. But in that list was the suspect who was eventually arrested and charged with double murder. So I get it. I understand the investigative benefit of this. I've used it before. I respect it. I just don't want to be in it. Not because I'm committing crimes, because if I happen to be next to you while you commit a crime, that's I don't want any of that. I don't want to be interviewed. I don't know anything. I didn't see you do it, so I don't want to be on a list being monitored by the FBI. You were in the area, therefore you are potentially guilty. Keep those receipts. Make sure you have maybe video and photo evidence of who you were hanging out with. Selfies galore. Upload those to the algos. <laughs> As someone who's listened to a lot of this guy's show, I don't like how much he apologizes, consistently apologizes for giving people tips and tricks on how to avoid being tracked. It's like you don't need an excuse to not want to be tracked by corporations, by algos, by the government. But he's constantly and I get why he does it, because he was formerly in the law enforcement business, but 
and it gets a target off his back, I guess. But I, I don't like how he consistently apologizes for telling people how to be uh, non-traceable. Yeah, that, that's justified, but I think it's more a reminder because so many people uh, in the potential realm of people that are listening are going to, again, say, I've got nothing to hide. Why should I worry about this? I think it's, I've gotten, in, I've gotten talking to about phrases that I've repeated too many times, and maybe that's something that he should focus on, you know, maybe one or two times less during his show, but... Uh, being apologetic to uh, that situation, I can definitely understand. And I don't know technically who his specific audience is. I, I would assume it's more, uh, again, the individuals that have nothing to hide that are worried, you know, yeah. writing him back in great swaths like you and me are like, and this just seems like common sense and don't bother uh, writing to him. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. I, I just get so I, I at this point in the year 2021, I'm tired of people apologizing for things like that. You know, it's like you're giving out good data. You don't need to explain yourself. But yeah, there are. I'm sure there's a chunk of his audience that's like, well, yeah, like you said, I have nothing to hide. So that does make sense. But fuck him. I I did buy one of his books, and he in his prologue or introduction to the book, he does go have a couple paragraphs worth of saying, you know, you're releasing all people ask you're releasing all this information for, you know, everybody. And these are legal means. And he's like, it's not my problem. It's not my choice to give those people who would do bad things with this information. But I feel that more information out there to more people leads to more good things potentially happening at the cost of the handful of people that are going to use a hammer or a car inappropriately. All tools can be abused. Yeah, but it's, it's like um, Alex Winter from Bill and Ted that did the Ross Ulbrich inter, uh, documentary. I mean, Alex Winter made the point, like you, and it's it's an obvious point. I'm sure he didn't come up with it, but it's like you want a lock on your bathroom door. Now you could be doing what you could be jerking off. You could be shooting heroin in the bathroom door at a public restroom, but you still have the right to the, to that lock on that door. Like, yeah. even if you're doing nothing wrong, you, you need, you need a lock on a public restroom. You need a, you, like the internet applies the same way. You should be able to have privacy. There's no bad people out in the world. <laughs> this is so a little going, bit more on I've been going for a long while. It's up to episode two thirty one. Holy shit. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of, he's really good with his information and offering bits of sourcing and whatnot. And it's just, again, those little things that you don't think about because it's not in your face every day. This is used to be his job, still is his job. And there's a lot more people that know about these things, but again, put them in the back of their mind. All the people that program at Amazon or Facebook or whatnot, they should have those ideas. They, you know, we've all, we, we've heard stories of abuses and, but you never think that it can happen to you. And it's not, I'm not saying that any of this is going to happen to anyone specifically, but like he said earlier, the chances of this increase every day with more people offering more and more information 
without realizing how much information they are actually handing out. And a little bit more into the geofencing on uh, why this this is an issue for, for Michael. This is why I'm the weirdo who keeps a Faraday bag and I drop my phone in it when I'm not using it because that Faraday bag shields my signals from being captured. Therefore, data cannot be sent. This is why I have a prepaid cell and a John Doe name. This is why I disable Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on my device at all times because I don't use that anyway. I don't want those signals capturing information about my surroundings and uploading them to Apple or Google. And finally, this is a big reason why I have eliminated Google from my life. I know that geofence search warrants are issued to Google every day, and the likelihood of me being near a geofence warrant increases every day. I'm not doing anything wrong. I just don't want to be in that. And by not having Google devices, Google products, or Google accounts, it eliminates a lot of my risk. Not all of it, but a lot of it. If I don't have Facebook, then I don't have the ability for Facebook to be queried about me being in a certain area. This is why I just stay away from all that junk. This guy takes OTG to the extreme, the current extreme. Not Uncle Ted level, but it definitely shows Adam Curry how it's done. Faraday bags. You brought up Uncle Ted. How does Uncle Ted do it? Because I like Uncle Ted. Uh, out in the woods, no, not even a landline coming to the house. No not smart even. meters, just a, a wood-burning stove. <laughs> Four walls and a roof. <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, that's what the Ruby Ridge guys tried, and that didn't even work out for them. Uh, he made himself a target by getting into gun sales with wrong people, but uh, definitely became a bigger issue when they decided to really look into him and not that he was doing anything completely legal, but the response to that definitely went just a little bit overboard. <laughs> just a little bit. Like they shot his kid and they shot his dog, but you know, it's and water under the bridge. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. That was years ago. That's history. <laughs> It would never happen again in this time and age. Never. We fixed it all. <laughs> Governments never lied to anybody. But and also within the, the terms of geofencing, Michael, all his phones, however many he has, and he has multiple phone numbers depending on which business or I don't want to say personality you're trying to call, but uh, multiple layers of security and he uses VoIP voice over IP, and part of that uh, obfuscation under geofencing. This is why I use voice over IP, VoIP numbers for everything. If you know my VoIP number, fine, you can call me, but you can't give a search warrant to a cellular provider to find out where that VoIP number was at. A true cellular telephone number, that number provided by AT&T, AT&T always knows where that device is at. This is why I don't ever use my true cellular number for anything. I use voice over IP numbers. They give me a great layer of protection. So it, instead of directly dialing to your cell phone, it dials to a computer, which then redirects to your cell phone, a program on your cell phone. It's three-way calling kind of situation. Uh, j again, just as a, a layer of obfuscation, so that way AT&T or whomever is not looking directly at the cell phone, but where that cell phone number, because it's always relayed, you're always more, almost always talking to a cell tower. 
and then through triangulation, again they when they ask for that geofence warrant, they kind of sweep you up into it. And Dean Reiner exposed me when he was on my show to stingrays, which the more I've looked into are pretty crazy because anybody can get them if you have enough money. It seems like you get a stingray and it mimics a cell tower and it takes not only the metadata, but all the text messages and calls and just stores all that. So uh, the not only the feds have that, but local law enforcement have stingrays where they it just mimics a cell tower and all that data gets routed into the stingray and then sent back to the cell tower. So anybody can see anything that's going on. Yeah, so even even with airplane mode on, or not necessarily airplane mode, but you can be, you can and will be found by individuals with nefarious means and practices. Always worth uh, keeping that in mind. But another individual that was arrested at the January 6th riots uh, was verified to have at least been in the area uh, through the DMV, through a handful of pictures, starting off with Facebook and working its way through. And again, yeah, just the, the license plates, something to at least keep in mind. The DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, provided the FBI with the license plate tags, the registration plate tag of this person's car. The FBI then submitted that tag to the various LPR systems, the license plate reader systems, which follow us around and track our activity. That license plate reader system showed that the car registered to William, left New York, drove southbound, took the Henry Hudson Bridge in New York, uh, went southbound over the Delaware Memorial Bridge, and passed a number of locations in Maryland on the JFK Memorial Highway. It continued making its way towards D.C., and then later it returned to New York, driving the same path or a little bit of an alternate path. It went down the George Washington Bridge, and basically it ends up being back in New York. This LPR data, this evidence, shows that that car, I'm not saying that person, but that car left New York early on January 6th, right before the riots, and then departed right after the riots, driving back through Maryland to New York. So, not that we, well, here in Seattle, greater Seattle area, we have HOV lanes, high occupancy occupancy vehicles, and the way we pay is through a uh, infrared picture system, takes a picture of your license plate, sends you a bill. I don't think that he was necessarily traveling in those lanes. It's just a matter of driving down the road, and it doesn't even need to be the cops running your plates, but a handful of stretches of road, uh, maybe even on toll roads specifically, they're, where they're taking your picture and just your vehicles being tracked. You know, all in the name of safety, being able to prevent uh, the next 9-11 terrorist attack, I'm sure. But just little things that, again, we don't even think about on a regular basis when we're driving around for innocuous reasons and maybe your plates get stolen maybe the picture is obfuscated i've gotten tickets from picture cameras red red light cameras and toll cameras because people have failed to register vehicles i've sold or a ball hitch is in the way and obfuscates the number just enough and you know, if they don't want to accept my evidence that I have to offer, then I, luckily I haven't had to deal with it, but you know, there's always the potential I have to end up going to court. I have to become an interviewee on a situation where 
again, I wasn't even in the area. The car just, the plate gets off, uh, changed just a little bit and the algos send it to the wrong individual or just a little bit of confusion, stolen plates, right? All those little bits of situation can really add up in, in how we're tracked and how we're protecting the homeland, the fatherland. So, um, it reminds me of but, uh, England where there's a CCT uh, monitor on every corner. They can just literally follow you in your entire path through the city from one point to another point to following point. Yeah. And so this, Michael, offers the reason on why you, again, obfuscate your, your information that is publicly out there. This is why a lot of people like to remove their name from people search websites. Now, to be fair, the FBI can just go to Clear or um, LexisNexis and find your address, uh, but they didn't. They just went to the people search websites. You, that's kind of a slam dunk. Anyone can go to a people search website, put your name in it, and probably find your home address. This is why I make a workbook of how to remove yourself from these systems. It's not to prevent the FBI from finding you. It's to prevent the nosy neighbor. It's to prevent the, the amateur Reddit investigator who thinks you've done something wrong from finding your house. A lot of my clients register their vehicles to a trust or an LLC. That's not going to completely stop the FBI. It's just going to make it harder on them to track you down. But that does prevent your name from being associated with all the license plate readers, depending on where you live. So again, that, that talk of LLCs and just a little bit more obfuscation and may, not again, not necessarily making it harder. The FBI has their license agreement with Clear and LexisNexis, but the OSINT making it again, just a little bit more difficult to find. I'm sure there's ways individuals can submit for information of the license plate readers purchase advertising space more or less maybe on a situation like that i'm not again not in that business world but you know someone again with potentially nefarious intent uh not like we haven't seen anything in the past of individuals being paid off to uh, pass an envelope of documents over to anybody else but you know again those little things and even with this uh, trail of information, it all started from a Facebook post. All of this trail of data starts with a social network post. We are now seeing that a simple social network post can completely unravel your full digital and physical life with just a handful of court orders. Uh, Facebook identified the city, the DMV identified the address, the, the DMV identified the license plates, the license plates showed the activity, and now they've got a pretty solid case against Mr. Vogel. That's just the, the one individual for driving and making minimal posts, minimal information, but uh, definitely found out and the case formed and sealed against him. And again, through all of this, it shows that even with the best information, it's, you still got to watch out for everything with uh, Michael's kind of closing thoughts on all of this. Sometimes our best education is to watch those who are being investigated for crimes. Knowing the tactics of law enforcement can expose areas where we are exposed as law-abiding citizens. I will always monitor various investigation methods in order to enhance my own privacy and security strategies. What I ask is, 
with all of this on the OSINT side, the privacy side, the security side, be responsible, obey laws, and let's stay out of undesired spotlights. The scenario of you being mistaken for someone else grows every day. The more privacy strategies you implement on your own life, the more you avoid the fallout after something bad happens and you're mistaken for the suspect. Talking with cops isn't always fun. Uh, And sometimes you need to. Sometimes it's for the best interest of the community. But sometimes you were around the corner. You were in the next building over. You just happened to be driving a similar car or plates that kind of mirror. You're in business with another individual. And so that other individual does an issue and then you're kind of lumped in with the whole rest of the cause as well. And, you know, it's not, again, that we're all criminals. I am speaking to the law-abiding citizens. But it's, it's just, again, those little reminders which this show offers in showing that more can happen to us if we're not more careful with our information. It's not as simple as not submitting your uh, name to a contest and now you just get junk mail in the mailbox and the snail mail. Now it's much more involved with uh, the potential of doxing uh, or just misrepresentation of of the data or the individual that's kind of caught up in everything. Crazy, man. Watching the DMV and the social media and the cops and the three letter agencies all coalesce together. It, to it's serve, done with serve and protect. It, it's done with uh, search warrants, uh, but again, those search warrants can easily expand and grow and they know kind of how to fill out the forms now so they can get that large swath of information. And it's not always again, specifically to the FBI or the police force, but an individual or company can purchase ad space and find uh, similar information. Uh, Again, kind of exposed and and a little bit more broad than what this information was offering. But again, using this episode as an easy way to show how much information is just actually out there on an individual level and most specifically through social medias. I like it. I've never, uh, I've never actually caught this show before. I've seen it playing uh, through Doug, but it's the first time I've heard it. No, he, he yeah, no, it's it's a good show. He gives a lot of valuable data and a lot of data that makes me think, like, man, I'm really not. I don't really have good uh, datagenic hygiene. What what would it be? Uh, I I don't really have online hygiene the way that this. Like, I thought it's like, oh, yeah, I have a VPN, I'm good. But this guy really lays down, like, how unprepared I am for the coming digital apocalypse. We could take his uh, privacy crash course together. It's five episodes, episode 174 through 178. Uh, he's He's got a book on extreme privacy as well, if you want to go as balls to the wall as he went in deleting yourself, more or less. And he's got episodes where he talks about uh, the process of removing yourself from people search websites and but that things like that can issue can create problems for you when you go to apply for a job or whatnot where they use these services and if you don't have a history well how do we know technically you are who you are or you've actually lived where you've lived or all sorts of silly little things that we don't want but need to be there 
But if you're running your own personal LLC, your own personal business, then that's all you're going to do for the rest of your life. Uh, his techniques, I'm sure, will come in even more handy for those individuals. But for those of us who are stuck with corporate life, at least for the time being, uh, we got to Wheatley. You have to play by some of the rules. And if you can play by some of the rules and clean up other rules and make sure that you're not leaving too many breadcrumbs, uh, your digital life uh, will turn out to be at least somewhat better. Well said. Hell yeah. Yeah, it just gets me thinking about the term feedback stock. Remember the good old days used to, not y'all, but used to go and Facebook stalk people. It's taking a really sinister turn. <laughs> yeah. You got to remember, just because you put it up there for good intentions doesn't mean everybody else is going to use good intentions. And if you're a woman putting selfies online, people might use that for wood intentions. If you catch my drift. Hey, Hey. <laughs> Is it my turn now? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm wrapped. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't have, I didn't pull any ISOs from this. I, I actually, I, I, I'll take that back. I pulled a couple ISOs, but they seem distasteful because they were making light of, what is a serious subject and I know every time Sir Spencer since the show's inception has brought serious clips he apologizes for it which he should not have to do and most shows I've been on misinformation I have made I have pulled real goofy clips and kept a light tone to it so I'm going to take a page out of Sir Spencer's book uh, and I know you pulled the same show last week Booberry, but it's up is down with Dean Reiner and uh, this is, I don't know, you guys probably may have both heard this episode. This is his episode, Invisible People. What number is this? Is this about the book Chameleon? I should know that. I really don't know. Maybe 102 or something. Um, I guess. I'll just play the intro. Go for it. Yeah, man. Welcome back to another episode of the Epis Down Podcast with me, your host, your neighbor, your friend, Dean Reiner, coming at you from the aviary, the chalet in an undisclosed location in an overcast, fairly cool day in Northwest Oregon. This is another, I think, fairly important episode. This was, it's gonna, it's bumping uh, Abel Kirby out of the way. Sorry, Abel, <laughs> I have to bump your episode again. I had to leave that part in because, yeah, he just finally today, I think it was, posted the episode he did with Abel Kirby and he had bumped it back like two or three times. But that was a great episode he did with Abel Kirby. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd seen you post about it today. I'm going to check it out tomorrow at work. Yeah, it was a good one. And uh, yeah, I, I won't give any spoilers for that. But this is the episode Invisible People, which was one or two before that one. Episode 103. Sorry, Abel, but I have to bump. Is it, it's 103? 103. I haven't listened to this one yet. Yeah, it's a good one. And it, I this is not by any means a representation of the full episode, but hopefully this set of clips I have will get people to listen to that full thing. Sorry, Abel, but I have to bump your episode again. This one came to my attention pretty quick. I had an opportunity to talk with someone who's just a regular person, man, just a regular Mr. Invisible Man out there who has a very, probably, you know, honestly, not a very unique story behind his experience with the COVID vaccine and his life uh, recovering from that 
that that event, as well as other things as we'll get into in this episode. This is, I think, a really interesting one, and it's important in the way uh, that this is an actual real person. This isn't just some testimony on a screen that you see through as you're scrolling through your social medias and you hear all these things. And we know about the bot-generated stories on both sides of the cult. Uh, but this is an actual real person, someone I've uh, not met physically, but I spoke to him and I saw his face on Skype. Uh, he's <laughs> a real person with a real-life story. So this this is a guy that another listener of Dean's show knew from what I can tell, and Dean interviewed this guy named Skyler. And this is uh, the first clip I pulled from the actual interview from him. Everyone at my job is getting the vaccine, so I again, I'm just, I decide to go ahead and go get the vaccine. Okay, I'm going to pause it right there. Um, there was a phrase that your parents used to tell you. And when I, this, I'm jumping off the a, bridge first. Yeah, if everybody else was jumping off a cliff, would you do it too? If everybody we all got told that as kids, at the bottom of the hill. we all got told that as kids. And I've, I know people in my immediate family and on my wife's family that said, well, I just got it because everybody else at work or in my family was getting it. And it's like, you are the same motherfuckers that told us as kids, if everybody else was jumping off a cliff with, would you do it? But that's your re That's their go-to reasoning. A lot of these people, because they know it's fucking weird. And they still go get it because everybody else is doing it. I just excellent. thought that was. <laughs> if everybody else this is, is an sticking, excellent vision. Go for it. If everybody else is sticking their genitals and electrical outlets, <laughs> would you stick your genitals into an electrical outlet? <laughs> Have you seen the Onion movie? No. No. Where the it's it's before the Onion was PC, but one of the skits in the Onion movie, like the the fake news organization, it's like it was like a penis removal service. It's like this. Start the commercials like this dude sticking his ma his dick in a mail slot. It's like they got my penis out, and then it's like a <laughs> a sea of people. It's like they got our penises out. It's like yeah, if somebody was if, if yeah. Point being, like just because everybody's doing it is not a, a logical conclusion that you should do it. And we all learn this as kids with the common phrase, "What is it again?" If you if, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you do it? If everybody stuck their dick in a light socket, would you do it? But that's on the ground, boots on the ground report. The common thing I hear from people in my life is like, well, I got it because everybody else was getting it. So I just had to point I, that out. I see this as a visual representation of peer pressure. Uh, yeah. You don't, you don't want to be the uncool kid. I remember growing up, couldn't afford airwalks. Those were the big things. Couldn't afford Jenkos. And, uh, Wait, what's a oh, Jinko? Jinko jeans. Baggy oh. jeans. Baggy trousers. But bum, the, bum, bum. Yeah, but situations like that, there's jokes of uh, like the polo shirts with the actual jockey or the one with the crocodile or I don't know which one was the cheaper brand, but if, you know, one was the knockoff and you got to fit in. You got to be one with the cool crowd, whether or not you actually intend to be a part of the cool crowd it it's you know everybody wears a similar style of clothes uh birds of a feather flock together and, and not to be mean but uh you know we're all in this together right and if we're all a team if we're all a part of the same flock and you know we're all team anti-covid 
Apparently, Team Anti-COVID, their flag is a needle in the arm. And me, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting or or hating on individuals that have taken it for uh, legitimate reasons that they've actually gone through, but uh, for the peer pressured individuals that decided to go cliff diving as well, I hope they survive the splash at the bottom. Yeah, and I think that's, I think the. And not a lot of them would admit it, but I think it's way the percentage of people who took it just because of peer pressure and just because that's what people were doing, even though they might have had reservations. I think that number is way higher than we think it might be. Maybe, but that's not what I've been seeing from my side. It's I'm seeing people actively coerce day in and day out, belittle and degrade and just tear down. And and like but those are the, the vocal those are the vocal people and even some of them are probably just doing that to fit in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't argue that point. It's just this is how I fight misinformation. This is how I still continue the fight for I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it social justice? It feels bigger than that. Is it to get everybody on the same team, I guess? Maybe. Come on in, my friends. Are you hiding unvaccinated people under the floorboards? Huh? <laughs> uh, all right, so this is uh, this is Skyler, uh, the first clip I pulled of him on Dean Show. Everyone at my job is getting the vaccine, so I again, I'm just, I decide to go ahead and go get the vaccine. And uh, that's where my world ended up kind of turning upside down. Um on April 15th, I went and got the vaccine, and at that point, the vaccine was being administered in a central area at our local fairgrounds um, on April 15th of this year, and uh, which happened to be my daughter's birthday, because I'm an idiot. I don't know why I did that, but I didn't think anything was, bad was going to happen. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for this guy to come on Dean's show. He's Like Dean said, he's a nobody, not in an insulting way, but he's... He's not a guy that has a podcast. He's not a guy that is outspoken. He do, He's not even a guy aligned with the political party. If you listen to the whole episode, he's never voted. He just kind of is he's a, just your average Joe. He's your he is your average Joe. And uh, going on with the next clip about when he went to get his vaccine. Yeah, I didn't realize that because we had kind of shut our. He he didn't know, or at least at the time, he had forgotten or didn't know that it was not even FDA approved. Yeah, I didn't realize that because we had kind of shut ourselves out from the world and. I actually saw that on the paper. I said, it said, this is n- not approved by the FDA. This has only been approved for emergency use mm-hmm. on the piece of paper. And that I kind of took a step back when I saw that you fill the paper out while you're in line with hundreds of people. So there's a yeah. lot going on and they give you, you know, this paper is like condensed reading material. Yeah. And it's, and it's written in life. such a, it's written in such a vernacular. I'm sure that it's like, you yeah. kind of scam over it's, it to me. I mean, I've never seen one, but it, I imagine it's a lot like the terms of use agreements when you get a new app or something like that. You know, yeah, just kind of something like that. Sign and, here uh, and agree and move on. Yeah. And you're in line. You're just kind of shuffling born. along. You're just kind of want to get through <laughs> it and get home. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that and taking a step back. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know these or I kind of knew, but I didn't remember. But I was like, oh, this wasn't actually approved by the FDA. Just approved for emergency use only, apparently. So a sub level of approval. Um, and then it's my turn to get the vaccine. And I remember the gal telling me, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad she said, I'm glad you're getting the vaccine because 
the you know the implications of not getting the vaccine and having the side effects of COVID are much worse. Okay, so that's something that caught my attention. The person that's jabbing you in the arm is saying, I'm glad you're getting the vaccine because the implications of COVID are much worse, which automatically implies that there are some negative implications of getting the vaccine, which we have been told doesn't exist. Yeah. And uh, people also say, though, that the pandemic, COVID, is what ruined everything, not the government mandates of shutting everything down. Yeah, yeah. dude, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when people say like, yeah, the the COVID has really wrecked the economy. It's like, no, politicians locking people down has wrecked the economy. And beyond that, you can't even blame the fucking politicians. It's the fucking people, myself included, putting up with the shit. Of course, I in Tennessee, we only had two weeks of it. Some people have had almost two years of it now, but it's the people putting up with the lockdowns that are to blame. And I'm glad to see Australia and Europe fucking rising up against this bullshit. But there's a local grocery store that I sadly haven't uh, shopped at in a while because of how much they enforce the, the mask situation. I was looking forward to actually going back these past couple weeks, but work's been terrible and they've been closing before I've been able to get there. But uh, again, because the mask mandate was down, I'm like, I'm, I want to be able to support this small shop, but starting Monday, uh, his Lordship Jay fucking Inslee has decided to <laughs> reimpose the mask mandate. And, uh, I know the regular grocery store I'll be going to, I have no intention of wearing a mask, but that small mom and pop operation, I won't be going into. And it kind of, it, it breaks my heart because I'd like to stand up and I understand why, why they enforce it because the health department is weaponized. It's not just a simple fine. It's a health violation. We all need to mask up. So, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll push my luck. We'll see how everything plays out. But I, it, I know we're right. in a totally it's, different type of state. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're, I'm just saying it. You're right. It's the people putting up with it. Uh, but everybody out here is paranoid. You know, they believe MSNBC. There's even people around here that do, but the Tennessee is like, it's like Texas, Tennessee, Florida, a couple, a handful of other states like that. There's, you know, it, it might even be half the states in the United States that like there's enough people in, in the U.S. that even the corporations like, uh, like Walmart was requiring masks. And then that got shut down because everybody was getting up in arms and the employees were like, we're not enforcing this because I don't want to get a fight in a fight with a redneck QAnon supporter over this. <laughs> it's like, so the, in, in the South and especially in Tennessee, like a lot of these businesses will say, even today, I, I went in, I went in to buy a pair of shoes at shoe carnival. It said masks required for vaccinated people as per CDC recommendations. So they were saying even vaccinated people had to wear a mask, but you know what? It's in Tennessee. I walked in there. Nobody said shit. Without a mask, I had someone. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, oh, sorry. No, I have real just real quick. I I think it's right on point with what uh, Dvorak said on No Agenda a couple shows ago that it it wasn't the taxes that necessarily uh, kicked off the Civil War or not the Civil War but the uh, the Revolutionary War. It was the enforcement of the taxes that really kind of kicked it into gear and like where you're at, you know we'll we'll 
to sign up and make a, a show about it, but we're not going to enforce it. And until the government comes in and starts being a bunch of dickheads, uh, we're not going to enforce it. And at that point, there becomes pushback because an individual needs their right to support themselves, to have a family, to have the job that they so choose to have and live with the risks that they're willing to put up with. And part of that is having a store open. And if you want to enforce the masks, enforce the masks. If you don't, don't. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. I say fuck them. And Australia needs to say fuck them. Fuck they are. the cops. Yeah. Fuck them. I had someone I'm threaten to call this. the cops on me at uh, a, lo- a liquor store not too far from here. And then two days later, they dropped their fucking mask mandate. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to call the cops because you weren't wearing a mask? Yeah. Oh, my God. Fuck the cops. Yep. All right. I'm going to get. That's crazy. I'm going to get through this, uh, the rest of this clip because I'm still. Oh, we've got a ways to go. (laughs) I'm glad she said, I'm glad you're getting the vaccine because the, you know, the implications of not getting the vaccine and having the side effects of COVID are much worse. And as soon as she said that she stuck me with the needle and my body got immediately warm, kind of warmed over a little bit. You can immediately tell that my body just did not like the vaccine. Um, She stuck the left side of my arm. I got really warm. I started to get nauseous and uh, not feel very good. I didn't tell anybody because I'm this masculine guy that tries to hide everything. Now, he got the Moderna vaccine, the guy that Dean's interviewing. And there's uh, this is not unique to his situation. Early on, especially back in March, April, there was a lot of this going on. And, well, I'll just let them explain to you because it, it the set, the scene that Skylar paints to Dean is very strange. And I end up walking up after I get the vaccine that you just kind of shuffle off to your next checkpoint. And I walk up there and I'm trying to stand and I'm holding onto the table. And I'm a little dizzy and, you know, the Army National Guard are, is there. So everyone's there in their camo. And <clears throat> why, yeah. why do you think that is? It, it, was that alarming to you or was that just something that you were um, like weren't that? Um, surprised by or, or I guess it, it was interesting to see them there and you know our tax dollars at work uh, you know right in front of us versus overseas and um, it was my assumption I guess at the time is that you know St. Charles our local hospital is who was administering this and this is was, this was a staffing help at a you know a, an extent location so but interesting it's just weird to see everyone in camo. It's kind of like, you kind of felt like you were in one of those end of the world apocalypse kind of movies. Yeah. I imagine it's, imagine it's quite a sight, you know, it kind of adds to the emergency uh, sort Mm -hmm. of milieu of the moment, you know, that you're, like you said, kind of almost in like the cinematic, like this, uh, like the scene, you know, in a, in a film, like, wow, this is, this is really dangerous. This is really important. This is really important. I do think there's onto something there. That the National Guard weren't there to do anything but make everybody feel like they're in there in full camo. They're, they're just there to make everybody feel like, oh, this is really serious. This is really important what we're doing. You know, if you don't use the budget, you don't get that same budget next year. <laughs> well, there's that. Too. There's that, too. Yeah. So uh, Skyler gets through that. He gets dizzy and waits in the waiting room. They give him some apple juice and... 
he decides he's good to drive home. So this is what happened on his drive home that same day. I think it was April 15th that he got the vaccination. It was Moderna, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. He got the Moderna. But on my drive home. And this was the first jab, I believe. Yeah. But on my drive home, <clears throat> that's when it kind of hit me. I got, I drove 15 minutes home and hit the first stoplight back in Bend. And it kind of hit me like a wall. Um, like a, like you're instantly kind of a drunk feeling. And uh, I felt like I was kind of losing control and I might not be able to drive and uh, my heart started to race a little bit. So I was backed up in traffic and that was, that kind of sucked. And eventually I made my way through the stoplight and pulled over in a, the front of a Dick sporting goods parking lot and uh, called my wife and said, Hey, I don't feel good at that point at time. I, it was kind of funny. I wasn't even associating it with the vaccine. I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm, I just couldn't figure it out. And uh, this is within an hour of receiving the vaccine. Yeah, it's well, I'm probably right within an hour of right then. Yeah, within, within receiving the vaccine. And uh, as I'm on the phone with my wife, um, things are starting to get blurry. And I'm starting to like my muscles are starting to lock up and stuff. The left side of my body started to turn a little red where they administered the shot. And uh, I didn't really realize what was going on. Um, until I started talking to my wife and she's like, Oh, you got the shot this morning. I'm like, Oh, right. That's what's messing with me right now. And, uh, my throat started to get scratchy and started to, uh, swell up. So my wife called 911 and, uh, 911 showed up and they're the ones that put it all together. And, uh, they saw the redness on my skin. As soon as they got me in the ambulance, I was able to kind of walk a little bit to the ambulance and, uh, ice was holding my throat the entire time. And they said, why are you holding your, your throat? And I said, I can't breathe. And I've never been allergic to anything in my entire life. So I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't used to this or been around anybody that was really allergic to anything. So they said I was having a, an allergic reaction to the shot. Anaphylaxic shock. Yeah. And as somebody who has had people in my life that have like people that are allergic to shellfish and stuff that have anaphylactic reactions, he says he's never been allergic to anything. And he's never known anybody that's allergic to anything, and yet he's having that type of reaction. And even the EMTs said, yeah, that's from the vaccine. Uh, so here's him getting to the hospital. But I got to the hospital. Um, I started to have, like, I guess the word would be, like, convulse, or I was just shaking erratically. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> once they got me in the ER room, I was just, I couldn't stop shaking uncontrollably. And they, they tried to do an EKG on me, and that didn't quite work because I was shaking too much. And... Um, I kept that. I remember I kept asking for water and I was conscious of what was kind of going on around me. It felt kind of weird, like a, a scene, like you, again, you kind of felt like you were in a movie or something and everyone's walking around you, but nobody's listening to you. Yeah. But you, you don't know if you're talking or not. Wow. We only yeah. keep people around for 15 minutes and shit like this is happening. I think you need to plan <laughs> an hour and a half at the shot location. You know, fine, some people have better immune systems or, or won't, maybe the dosing's a little bit different or it won't affect them the same. Maybe they don't hit the blood vessel the same way. Uh, but then what about the older individuals that definitely have weaker bodies, weaker overall systems within their body, and then something like this happens? I know two people that have never had a history of seizures and the first flu vaccine they got at over the age of 20. Two people developed a seizure disorder that has followed them for the past couple of years and they've been in and out of the ER. 
I can't say the flu vaccine caused that, but it never existed until their first flu vaccines. So, and, th- and those were approved by the FDA. So yeah. fuck all these people that are pushing these unapproved vaccines. Now this, this is a, the longest clip of the bunch, but I'm getting close to wrapping up. But I think this is, and, and by the way, I should have said this earlier, Dean, Dean Reiner of the up is down podcast, which is what this is from took. What was it? Booberry two months off. Uh, yeah, it was between yeah. June and not, no further than that. And he was, he was talking about maybe not doing the show anymore. And then he comes back with episode 100 and just starts cranking out just fantastic episodes. And this is one of them. I think he's done what, like five in the last two weeks. It was uh, episode 98 was May 26th and then came back July 16th with 99 and then 100 and 101. Sheep and the goat is the last one that I was on. I'm still chewing and digesting that one. Uh, So he's had... He's had four in two weeks or something like that. Close to that anyway. But anyway, he's been he's been cranking them out. And his latest ones with the Abel Kirby, which was really good. But yeah, this is a this is a long clip, but this is uh so he gets out of the hospital, he's good for a day, and then the next day some shit comes back at him. The day after that, so I got the vaccine on a Thursday. Friday I felt fairly back to normal. Didn't think much of it i was just reflecting on the previous day and i was like holy crap that was a whirlwind yeah and uh i remember i even worked that next day and um i felt fine and then saturday hit me and i was working outside and it kind of just hit me like a wall again i just kind of slowed down my heart started racing a little bit and i felt heated up my body was like reacting to something and um that's when the dizziness hit me and that's been my major complaint uh, since the vaccine is this level of dizziness. Hmm. It was similar to the dizziness I had from the concussion, but like 10 times more intense. By the way, just to interject real quick, I, he says dizziness a lot in this, but I think what he really means is vertigo. Um, just like a complete spatial disorientation, like almost like when you have the spins when you're too drunk and too high. Like when you need to throw up, like everything is, the room is constantly spinning, but you're completely sober. That's what, yeah. if I had to interpret it, is what it sounds like he's describing. Have you ever, uh, have you ever had a concussion before? No, no. but uh, my neighbor and one of my, my coworker, who's also my neighbor, had a, he rammed his head straight into a wall on a, in a skateboarding accident. And uh, he was seen squiggly he could barely walk and he was seeing squiggly lines and everything looked black and white for about three days after that he couldn't see color and everything was wobbly looking i never had anything that severe before but i've been thrown out of a bunk on a uh, sleeper bus and had a concussion from that because i smacked my head on the other like the frame of the bunk. so there is there's this total uh time distortion feel it's like you're kind of in one place with one foot and another place with the other foot. Yeah, it, it's definitely worth listening to this whole two hours that Skylar and Dean did because he compares what having a severe concussion was like to having the vaccine, and the vaccine, he says, is ten times worse. But yeah, it, I, I tried to keep the context while well, still obvi- not pulling too many clips. But. Obviously, this is just fake news because medicine is a one-size-fits-all. One shoe. One, everybody gets one shoe. 
Yeah. Open up your eyes, man. Tense. Um, I've always tried to explain this dizziness to people. Dizziness is just a word, right? Which can be interpreted by you or any of the listeners differently. But the best way I can explain it is like there's a sway, a left to right sway for me. So you kind of feel like you're on on a boat on the ocean as you're walking. But then you're also the bottom of the boat is a trampoline. So you're walking on a cushy floor with a sway in the boat. And uh, it's just something I've had to live with and try to manage. And it's intensity we put on a scale of 1 to 10 in the doctors I work with. And it's ranged anywhere from like a 10 is like you feel like you're going to die and you just you know want to take your own life because the dizziness is so insane, like a G-force. And then you know, a 1 is barely, you can barely sense it, um, but it's there in the background. And I've lived in this kind of two to five range for the past four to five months and uh holy jesus that's probably been my biggest kind of symptom that's really sucked and uh there was that and then there was a little bit of a sensitivity to light that came back uh all neuro so all these symptoms i'm talking about are purely neurological issues so stuff maybe most listeners haven't truly experienced everyone's experienced a maybe a cut or a broken leg and you know, pain's one thing. I, I would trade this for pain any day of the week because in my mind, pain can be managed. Pain can be absorbed through the mind. But mm. manipulation with dizziness and, you know, you're kind of messing with your mental capacity ultimately can kind of tear down into what you are. You know, it it just sucks. I don't, I don't have a good way to put it. But you know, I imagine it's, it's really debilitating in a way that you know that you can uh... – walk from this part of the house to the other part of the house and maybe open the refrigerator and grab an orange or something. Yeah. But when you're, I imagine when you're experiencing the kind of dizziness that you're describing that you don't know if you're going to make it to the refrigerator or when you try to walk across the house, you might stumble and you know that the likelihood of you stumbling is pretty high. And then that stumbling could also mean that you might hit your head on a countertop or a chair or trip over yeah. something that you can normally just walk right over. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> sorry. It's okay, man. I'm sorry. Take your time. That's exactly what it's like. You don't always know if you're gonna make it back from the bathroom. <sighs> I'm sorry. Man. Or the worst part is <sighs> if your kids find you. Uh. <sighs> It's it's something that you you know you always wish you could just completely manage it since it's a mental thing and you wish you could control it but you can't. Mm-hmm. There is you know there's some there's some proof behind you know having positive thought and positive reinforcement that you're gonna be able to make it and you're gonna have a good day and you're not gonna have to knock pictures off the wall. <laughs> or oh my God. Like, hold on to your wife or use a cane or things like that. But mm-hmm. um, it's just, uh, yeah, that's been my biggest, that's been the thing that sucked the most. Um, so I kind of make it home and all these things happen and I end up kind of being bedridden again for a week. You just kind of lay in bed and uh, it kind of turns out that watching TV or trying to have a void like that kind of makes it worse because it's just more stimulation for your brain. 
um, everything that's going on. I know it was a long clip, but yeah, I I felt like it was unfair to shorten that to any more because I didn't want to. I don't know. That's powerful, and it made me tear up. I'll tell you that when I first heard it. So it's just it's fucked, man. And fuck anybody who's denying these people's experiences. I'd actually like to take a second. It makes me angry. It makes me sad, but it makes me fucking angry too. I'd like to read to you from the book of Twitter. From um, <laughs> from one Philip DeFranco, LOL. Imagine having having the eligibility and access to get the vaccine and saying nah. Also, to the pearl clutchers offended by this tweet, yes, I am calling you stupid, and you can go fuck yourself, you ignorant, selfish fuckface. Yeah, <laughs> I warned you about woman. fucking Philip DeFranco a long time ago. I know. Philip DeFranco, Ethan Klein, H three H three. Fuck you. Fuck both those, not you, Booberry, but fuck both those guys. They are literally demons in my book. Those guys are fucking evil because they know better. They fucking know better. And they saw the way the authority was clamping down on this thing and they decided to choose the dark side. They're smarter than this fucking bullshit and they know better. Philip DeFranco, Ethan Klein, they fucking know better. They're not idiots. They're just hedging their fucking bets with the evil empire. Fuck them. Push the Philly D button. <laughs> I'm I'm pissed. Anyway. Uh, no, it's... Uh, they're side effect deniers. And this... this I, I, I don't know if they actually mentioned his name. Um, but this has ruined his immediate life. And they told him at the very beginning that you don't want to deal with the symptoms of COVID. That's going to be way mm-hmm. worse. Yep. The, the My experience with COVID was less than stellar. I didn't enjoy losing my sense of smell or taste. I was thoroughly freaked out about that and definitely had exhaustion. I was concerned about passing it on because I knew it was at least rather contagious. Didn't understand specifically how contagious it was, but uh, I survived. Granted, I'm under... 75 and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are under 60 which could deal with it well enough if we had some sort of prophylactic that we could take at the beginning but we're not allowed to discuss things like that and uh, there's plenty of people uh, pushing the new messaging that just get it just get it it's on the radio all the time that you know uh, I've got I need to go back and dig out clips of just local radio talking about how the messaging is shifting and certain podcasts I've listened to talking about the, the shift in messaging, how we're not supposed to call all the unvaccinated grandma and grandpa killers, boomer removers. But <laughs> now we're, you know, we're in this together again. It's that team mentality and damn the side effects. We don't want to kill grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad. And, but we're not allowed to discuss any of the science that questions the the mainstream narrative. We're not allowed to question whether or not there might actually be individuals with uh, nefarious intent. And even though it's not the, in this discussion, I listened to an episode of Congressional Dish the other day, and she realized that there was a point in time where Mexico uh, gave out ivermectin and saw their numbers drop. 
but she hadn't heard about that, didn't believe it, did her own research according to what she said, and found out that, yeah, there was some sort of correlation. Uh, Cause and effect specific, not entirely sure, but again, the discussion uh, being silenced here and uh, only one message is allowed. How many of your family members have to die before you believe in COVID-19? Empty seat at the table. And I don't want anybody getting sick, and I'd prefer everybody not have uh, the worst effects of this. But it's not just a vaccine that can save our lives. I'm pretty sure there's a handful of other natural remedies uh, that we could be taking that could ease things up for those that are suffering. It's not just this guy that Dean's talking to either. Sorry, I haven't I'm heard not. it in the news, so it's well, it's only this yeah. one guy spreading far right wing conspiracies. Yeah, Sorry. it's no, it's it's fucked. I mean, and and it's kind of crazy how the vaccine thing used to be considered like a loony left wing thing, not a loony right wing thing. But then recently we saw it at a Trump rally. Trump promote the vaccine, and I pulled the clip, but they played it on No Agenda today. After I pulled the clip. Trump says, like, yeah, I got the vaccine through and everybody should take it. And they just, the whole crowd at a Trump rally boos Trump. <laughs> ah. it's, it, I mean, it's weird how it's a partisan thing. Ten years ago, it was the left-wingers that were saying we need safe vaccines. And now it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's RFK, almost intentional RFK how they, they make RFK Jr. is left-wing, left-wing guy. But it they make, they... The powers that be, the social engineers, do such a good job of making it a left-wing issue or a right-wing issue, and that pendulum swings back and forth, when really it's just like a fucking safety issue. And most anti-vaxxers that are called anti-vaxxers will tell you, we just want safe vaccines with safety testings, and we want the companies that make them to be liable for the damages they cause. But even that puts you at an anti-vaxxer. I saw somebody on Twitter, I was looking for it while I was talking, I can't find it, but there was a... uh, Somebody that said, uh, I wish I could, it it was along the lines of, (laughs) we, somebody said, well, why, why would you want to take the vaccine? Like, why do we need to take the vaccine, the COVID vaccines, if the CDC is now admitting that it doesn't even stop us from spreading it if we take it? And the person said, yes, it doesn't stop us from spreading it. And that's why it's even more important for everyone to get it. And they were dead serious, as far as I can tell. And and I've talked, and not only that, it's I've talked to people in real life who have said that to me. But for, I mean, at a certain point, they're just going to double down. And I don't really like. I don't know. You, you can't you can't convince people at this point. It's just is what it is. But uh, so continuing with this uh, this episode because I'm taking too much time up on this. Uh, he went through his long term symptoms and what he's had. This is uh, Skyler on his views on the current medical staff and how he's dealt with them shortly. They're a part of a system that's definitely fucked up and broken, at least from my experience. So you forget, you forget that you have to look out for yourself and you have to ask a million questions and people's backgrounds. And, you know, I think one, one wall I kept running up against is I kept wanting to know why. And, you know, like, can we identify if this, you know, truly is the, the what's the vaccine doing to me or what's it causing and mm-hmm. pretty much every medical staff i asked dismissed the fact that the vaccine was causing this yeah um, and it's and it's not because they oh i cut i edited that wrong but yeah it's it's uh 
It's impossible. It, it's it's. There's no way it was the vaccine. It's it, it sorry that your day, body it happened was the broke. The day you got it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, uh. it's broke. <laughs> if you were pregnant and then you got into a car accident, did you get into the car accident because you were pregnant? I mean. Or did you get in the accident because you you were pregnant and you got the vaccine and now it's all it's all because of your car accident you weren't driving safely it wasn't because of the vaccine and I have um, I have a lot of theories that this is not unintended side effects that this might be that this in my opinion is intentional and in long term and goes way before COVID with vaccine side effects and what they do to particularly young boys. And uh, and with the Gardasil and stuff. And I won't get into that here, but if you want to learn a little bit more about eugenics and vaccines, maybe listen to Bill Gates' TED Talk, Innovating to Zero, and start there. But uh, last clip from me here, this is uh, last one from the Invisible People episode from Up is Down. As of right now, that's really the best thing I can come up with is that the vaccine made its way through my blood-brain barrier and it messed with my brain and it's caused all these neurological issues which are now i've found 5,000 plus other people um like me on a website called uh, c19vaxreactions.com which was actually started here locally in oregon surprisingly enough which is really weird um they had to do a website because facebook shuts down um previous groups that yeah. they put together which has Isn't been that interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, not just Facebook, but YouTube, Twitter. I mean, it's like, I mean, even Probably. even even some of those outlandish places for the truthers like BitChute are shutting yeah. things down. It's really, really the crazy. And that's a great big, thing, that's a great big why question too. But of course we yeah, know why. The most fucked up thing about that is that group had people in there like me at a certain point in time where you kind of just want to take your own life because you're so tired of dealing with it every day. Oh my God. And that group was a bridge for everybody to talk to each other yeah, and find people like that. And then when they cut that off, then you don't have anybody. So <clears throat> I get that it's a private company and, you know, they can have that right. So, but, um, but there, that's the thing about it, man, is it's yes, private company and that's all great. Let's all, you know, let's all blow each other over that. But the other part <laughs> of it is that it's not a private company because it was a private company and that was their own desire to shut out any kind of conversation that they didn't seem uh, that they didn't like they're free to do so but what's become painfully obvious to anyone who's even half awake is that they're working at the behest of the pharma the pharmacological you know the pharma government fascist machine like they are private companies working in tandem specifically with government oversight they're yeah. working on behalf of these things to shut out the conversations to push this right. new thing into into place, this new way. It's terrifying. I'm so sorry that that happened, but it's a really good thing to know that there's at least a website and it's still there for people. Yeah, and if, if you ever go check out that website, you'll find a lot of stories way worse than mine. And What's it called again? Just so people can really uh, write it down. C19vax, V-A-X, reactions.com. And it was started um, uh, in Sister's, Oregon um, with a gal that had oh, what's crazy is the the baseline with this is everybody's having neurological issues. Obamacare yeah. seems to be a big problem in all of this. What do you mean? Elaborate. Well, everybody 
Obamacare forced out all the small mom and pop doctors because everybody had to upgrade their computer system mm-hmm. and get the license and situation so that way you could be a part of the uh, national network of insurance. Otherwise, you're not allowed to. And all the big network insurers had to play along as well. And again, things got more and more expensive. We got the uh, more bigger hospitals now also buying out all the smaller hospitals with the COVID relief money. And if you want to keep getting your funds, if you let alone just uh, insurance payments, you have to follow the the legal boundaries, which most of them probably say that the CDC and the FDA have uh, gold standards that we should follow that will offer the best chance in healthcare. And right now, the CDC and the FDA are pushing the vaccines because that is the uh, healthcare mandate for them, which then gets again pushed down through the hospitals and then pushed upon to you, and that's why everything's kind of compounding on itself. I I had never I'd always followed how like the p- people that used to be able to afford health insurance couldn't anymore because of Obamacare, and I knew personal you know firsthand stories of people that used to be able to afford their insurance and couldn't because of Obamacare, like a lot of people like for cancer treatments and just regular checkups and whatnot. But I never really considered that that's why the big pharma agenda, whether it's prescription pills or, you know, COVID vaccines are getting pushed is also a ripple of Obamacare. Like Obamacare, the way you just laid it out could have been a prelude to this whole thing. Cause that makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah. So we, (laughs) we not only priced out the mom and pop doctors, but now uh, everybody that's still left is going to push what we want them to push as far as product goes. It might be just a conspiracy theory or just a handful of red yarn tied from this push pin to that put push pin, but... No, I think you're <laughs> on to something. I think you're on to something, man. I think you're on to something. I, I found an account on this uh, C-19 Vax reactions. I'd like to read it real quick. Uh, July 3rd, twenty one. I received the Moderna, and this is D.C. from Arizona. I received the Moderna vaccine just after I received a glowing physical. I was in great health before the vaccine. Just days after receiving the shot, I fainted in my kitchen. My blood pressure skyrocketed to dangerous levels, and I was slurring, unable to walk or stand. I spent days in the hospital. My blood pressure still continues to have skyrocketing peaks, and dips to dangerously low levels, sending me back to the ER on a regular basis. My doctor now shrugs his shoulders and won't admit to it being the vaccine, but recommended not getting the second shot. I feel if I took the second shot, it would kill me. You're eating something real bad. Something I learned Wait. about this week. Uh, Hang on, real quick. So the doctor says it wasn't the vaccine, but I wouldn't get the second one. <laughs> How does that work? That goes right back to the funding. The CDC guidance and guidelines. That way they're not liable. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, so, go ahead, Billy. I'm sorry. Uh, here in Washington State, uh, the, the reasoning for his lordship, his governorship, Jay fucking Inslee, reinstating the mask mandate is because uh, out of the 70% or whatever number we have, whatever numbers they're using to determine whether or not you're fully vaxxed, you're either fully vaxxed or if you have one out of two shots, you're lumped in with the unvaxxed. 
that came from a local radio show that I just downloaded, but I have yet to pull the audio and dig into where this guy got the numbers. But I guess I probably shouldn't be propagating stuff I don't have proof for yet. But uh, and again, it's more to point out the obfuscation of the numbers that individuals that choose not to get the second shot because they've had an issue uh, or just, you know, they didn't really appreciate the really painful feeling in the arm that they're deciding not to get the second one. They're being lumped in and extending the justification for more lockdowns because no one is quote unquote fully vaxxed. I'm, I'm just at a loss of words. I don't, and like I'm sitting here looking at the uh, percentages of vaccine reaction surveys. Uh, all of them are well over a quarter. Tinnitus actually is at 19%, um, I guess, of, uh, of the survey. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't have a good vibes or a, a karma jingle to offer Skyler, but I, I'm going to throw out a plus plus for him. Uh, good vibes and best of wishes to you, sir, even though I'm sure you won't hear this. May it at least go out into the universe. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out on that uh, this website that he that he was talking about. Um, well, I guess Dean should be the fucking executive producer of this episode because uh, <laughs> this show actually is a recommendation that he made on Chris's 100th episode. Uh, and here's my intro clip. Just a minute. I'm coming. Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good episode. I'm going to talk about the justice system and jury nullification and all the insane, upside-down world of what people think is a justice system. And this is The Quash with Legal Man. Um, I believe I believe Legal Man was on a uh, Grimerica Outlawed. Uh, not no, I too listened long to, ago. Yeah, he was on two of their episodes. Oh, he made a short appearance, and then he had his own episode. So he was a pre pre interview to another interview. Gotcha. Uh, well, this is a. Uh, <clears throat> he hasn't been doing this show for too terribly long. It looks like uh, it's all a s- series of anywhere from eighteen to twenty five long min- or twenty five minute long episodes. Uh, it's a solo cast. It's just him. And uh, <laughs> what was it uh, Dean had said? He was, I think it was some, something along the lines of he liked this show because there was someone out there that was even more black-pilled than himself. Uh, have you, have you, are you familiar with the, with the show? No, I'm not. Well, let's get into this uh, intro episode. And it sort of circles back to... Um, to the way that uh, you were discussing <clears throat> the FBI doing, being able to use intelligence on you and uh, open source intelligence. And this episode is about uh, jury trials actually. And um, here's the uh, intro for it. So I thought I'd make a show about all the misunderstandings and confusion there is around the so-called criminal justice system just stuff that people never think about they're never told about they never reflect on 
because the media, which is simply the propaganda arm of government, just inundates them daily, 24-7, with bullshit. And constitutional conservatives are some of the worst offenders with the way they so-called support law enforcement. People don't even understand what law enforcement is. They don't understand what the criminal justice system is about. Nothing about it makes any sense. Uh, you see, if you just boil it down and look at it, what is the situation? The situation is that a government that you really have no say in, one vote out of hundreds of thousands, millions of votes, tens of millions of votes, it's, it's bullshit. It's not really a vote, especially when both sides clearly just do the same thing because we alternate between Democrats and Republicans for 150 years and the whole thing runs in one direction, just more government control, less freedom, a more oppressive government, more debt, more laws, just utter horseshit. So in this episode, it's you versus the government, the courtrooms, the lawmakers, the prosecutors, the three-letter three-letter alphabet soup agencies, uh, local police, and whatnot. Uh, he's been a lawyer for about thirty years. He he self he gave himself a self-described award, uh, which I didn't actually get the name of, but. Um, his whole case for this entire episode is that the jury trial is the one thing that stands between you and the boot of um, the state. Well, see, the jury right, a right to a jury trial was one of the most important rights the people used to have. And we haven't had that in 200 years, really. See, the, the jury, the reason you have a jury trial is so that the jury itself can stand in judgment of the law and the facts, so that if the government is out of control, that they can't get convictions. So you need a unanimous jury to convict in a criminal trial. And then and you have a right to a criminal. You have a right to a jury trial. And that's why jury nullification is such an important right, but people don't know anything about it. Because you don't learn anything about it in law school. You're forbidden as a lawyer from bringing it up during a trial when you're picking the jury, so-called picking the jury. You're not even allowed to talk about it. It's the most important fundamental right we have since the reality is having guns, that thing's been so destroyed, etched away. It's just ridiculous. There's, how do you defend yourself against government at this point? How? <laughs> this overwhelming force and SWAT teams and all this shit. They can make anything up. They can just create any kind of fake record they want. Claim they found kitty porn on your computer. Fake up some video of you. Get people to lie. Get confidential informants. Lean on people who are looking at long prison sentences to lie about you. There's no way you can defend yourself against government. If you get brought into a trial, not the way the government system works. That's why there's a jury trial. That's why you're supposed to have a jury trial. Because you're supposed to take the first 12 people. That's what's supposed to be. The first 12 people get pulled in. And the reason the first 12 people get pulled in is the power lies in with the jury to be biased against the state. Because they may have had family members that have been railroaded by the law before. They might have been railroaded by the law before. They might have interacted with dirty or corrupt cops before. Um, but the state prosecution is able to come in and ask them these huge questionnaires uh, 
that will show them if um, that individual will work for the state in the case or not. It's uh, it definitely this is one of those episodes I should start a playlist of um, like circus court because I'm not even I'm not even sure at this point. <laughs> I'm not, I don't even know if this would be the right way to phrase it or not. I don't understand the legitimacy of the court system. Because I no, hear it's really... It's, a, it's an absolute game. And the more you can... I've, I've learned a lot through personal experience and watching how individuals conduct themselves. I've watched people... Uh, Dress like absolute slobs get kind of slapped on the wrist. I've watched well-dressed individuals get smacked around. Uh, but one of my better interactions when going to court, get dressed up in a suit. Doesn't matter if it matches or not, but you throw in that jacket makes it a little bit better. But it's all, it's a, it's a dance. It's a game. And yeah. You know, like he said, we weren't, we're not taught it. And to a certain point, for a good reason, to another point, to our absolute detriment on things that, you know, we get pushed around on just on minimal things that we all have the ability to ask without counsel. You know, we don't always need a lawyer when getting uh, a speeding ticket, but there's a handful of things that we can ask for just on our own, not being a lawyer, uh, that give us uh, just a little bit more leeway and, and push to be able to, to fight through the system. Uh, it may, we, we can have an issue with uh, the politics within the system and how it is specifically played out, but we still have a better system for the majority of people than a lot of other places in the world. But, uh, the corruption of man seems to corrupt a lot of things within uh, greater civilization. Yeah, we haven't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> what do we like? This is. I've listened to a lot of legal men shows since I heard him on Gramerica, and it's very black pilled. And I'm not saying he's wrong, but it's like if we don't have and a, a lot of his arguments come down to the bill and the bill of rights and the Constitution have been null and void for a long time, which isn't necessarily wrong, but it's like, if we don't have that, what shield do we have? Like we're fucked without that. Like the bill, like we have, we have to believe in something. And that's why I, I like legal man. I like his show. What is it? The squash or whatever, but (laughs) the quash, I've listened to a lot of it, but I'm just (laughs) the quash, the squash, the Sam squanch. What you call me? I just, I just, I'm thinking like, if we don't have that, dude, what the fuck do we have? If we don't have the Bill of Rights, and if that's null and void, like, what do we have? You got the right to make another one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) As long as you can afford it. Real bad. It it just, I don't know. It gives me the jibblies to to think that legal man is right about a lot of what he says. He might be, he very well might be right, but it's like, then what? Then then what? Then what? What next? If he's right. Well, I'm gonna uh, move on here to what? What is it that the jury actually does? It's bullshit. They just make up laws and then they convict you, and then you can't have your rights. 
So it makes sense. The entire purpose for having the Second Amendment is to protect yourself against the government. <laughs> if the government can just take away your right to protect yourself against the government, what the hell good is the right? It makes no sense. But you look at why you have a jury trial. That's why. Because a jury is supposed to stand in judgment of both the law and the facts. He's got an interesting tempo. I'm not sure I could... I like the information. I'm not sold on the delivery yet. Because it, it does well, just sound like constant outrage. <laughs> Which is... I think is... Hmm, I think it's completely valid, but it tends to make his episode really repetitive, which we'll get into here with probably the bonus clip. Well, it's still it's still better than Ben Shapiro. I'll tell you, his delivery is still a lot better than Ben Shapiro's is. Yeah, you gotta speed that up just a little bit. It's like you just yeah, delivery is still a lot better than Ben Shapiro's is. There we go. A little bit closer. <laughs> but that's the reason I don't listen to Jimmy Dore anymore. Is it? He's just too angry all the time. Mm. And it's too well, much of a negative vibe to, you know, the message may be good, but if you're just, if I'm listening to you and you put me in a bad mood, I don't, I don't want to be in a bad mood. So I'm not going to listen to you. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's what's actually just to not to derail too much, but, Jimmy Dore is a comedian and he, he is angry and not that funny on his show. Typically not funny. Meanwhile, Alex Jones is not a comedian and he is way more angry than Jimmy Dore and still a hundred times funnier than Jimmy <laughs> Dore. Like way funnier than Jimmy Dore is. But he's also way angrier. And you've got a little bit more far out there ideas as well. Sometimes. Not even the ideas is it's like how y'all doing down there? Neat, neat, neat. Like, like Alex will do impressions. Like Jimmy Dore is a comedian, but his show is not comedic. And I love Jimmy Dore, and he's awesome. But if there's one, if I could give him some notes as a producer, I would say, Jimmy, make some fucking jokes because Alex is <laughs> beating you to death with the joke. Like in the joke department, Alex Jones is beating Jimmy Dore, and Jimmy Dore spitting Alex Jones' face. You remember that? Wait, what? No. I don't. Oh. Okay, we'll put this in the show notes, and I will find it to put in the show notes of this episode. Jimmy Dore and Rogers... Jimmy Dore and Jink Unger and Anna Kasparian were doing a a show during the election for the Young Turks, and it was like out in the open, and Roger Stone and Alex Jones walked up and started trolling them and brought out a Bill Clinton shirt that just said rape on it. And they were talking and Jink was like, Alex, what do you think? The lizard people are in charge. And they were having to pull him back. And while they were pulling Jink Unger or Chunk back from Alex, because Chunk was yelling at him, Jimmy Dore spit in his face and it's on video. But yeah, I'll, 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 uh, anyway, I'll find that and put it in the show notes, but, uh, continue with Mr. Legal, man. Uh, well, so, the Supreme Court acknowledges the rights and privileges of the jury and their ability to not only judge the evidence, but judge the validity of the law. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of coercion that comes in from the judge that would make them follow these arbitrary rules that they don't actually have to follow. It's just they haven't been informed that they don't need to actually follow these rules of like, 
the judge is just going to strike this evidence or they're, you know, um, it's, it's theater. It's, it's the, the judge and the prosecutor and a lot of the, um, uh, what's the, it's like the civil lawyers, the, the pro bono, but the, um, the ones you're entitled to, it's like just the way that they all glad hand and, uh, public pretender, public pretender. That's the one. Um, I had a couple of those. <laughs> but uh, it's technically legal. Bullshit. There's huge amounts of crime coming out of the state. There's huge amounts of crime the state ignores. There's huge amounts of things that are, quote, technically legal that are criminal, which should never be allowed. They just print money up. They just print it up and take the value of, of your labor with their free money. They call that legal. So don't come at me with that. But it's just so silly. The court is the government. The prosecutor is the government. The police is the government. All the police witnesses and investigations and all their labs, they're all government. They get found all the time to be corrupt as hell, setting people up, blackmailing, extorting, planting evidence. <laughs> it goes on all the time. And, and, and that's on top of the fact that the vast the majority of made up crimes. <laughs> all the time. Uh -huh. you know, I'm watching uh, Boardwalk Empire. I've watched Sopranos and Oh, I'm about to know, hit season two of the Sopranos. I ain't seen it in like ten years. Uh, I'm excited. Such a great series. But you you watch all of these and they're fiction. But the problem with them is that while the, all of these interactions may not have happened under specifically one individual, they've happened over the course of a select number of individuals in a specific uh, demographic and a time frame and a period. And it's an illustration of actual human history in a fictional setting. And just looking at those and having him compare it to actually, if he's actually seen this in real life, it's, it gives a little bit more credence to all these different stories that we've seen too far. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> Why? No, you're right. You're right. No, you guys. No, you're right. <laughs> that was, that was, I was just quoting The Sopranos, which was quoting Al Pacino. I watched The Sopranos too fast. That's that's my problem. I need to go back and give it the proper respect that it deserves. <laughs> but I do like. I, don't respect the Ronnie. I do really appreciate the way that uh, Tony's eyes just kind of glaze over when the meat's about to get. Hat. I miss those ducks in my poo. And I, there's <laughs> the best part about that. I mean, th if that show didn't exist, we never would have had Breaking Bad. We never would have had Better Call Saul. That show set the stage for a protagonist really being the antagonist. And there's a reason that, like, TV Guide and all these, and Rolling Stone and all these different places said Sopranos was the greatest TV show of all time. Like, it. It holds its own, and it really was a groundbreaker and a trailblazer in a lot of ways. I believe it. I definitely, I definitely really appreciated it. I just needed to spend more time with it, really soak it in. Um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna hit this next clip here. This one's called "A Hundred Innocent People." The state is just totally in charge of everything. What kind of evidence you can get in? That's controlled by the state. Well, how does that make any sense? 
<laughs> whether or not the law itself is valid. Okay, that's something the state also decides. Well, that's what the jury's supposed to decide. The jury is supposed to decide whether this kind of law is the kind of law they want to enforce. And if they think that the prosecutors are overstepping, which they do all the time, then they're not guilty. It's just that simple. That's, that's why you have 12 people on a jury and you pull them up to protect you. I thought the entire concept was that better that 100 guilty go free than one innocent man be convicted. We flip it on its head. A hundred innocent people get convicted so that we can try to get the one guilty. Guilty, uh, guilty until proven innocent. The idea that it's amazing as they a haven't jury, taken this guy uh, out yet. It, to think of yourself as a juror is if you think you've seen improper justice within the courtroom, you you absolutely maintain the right to to hold your conviction of not guilty. He may be guilty, but if you're seeing like an abuse of power, if they're called in on a, a speeding ticket, or I don't want to put it at that inane because that doesn't normally go to jury, but uh, divorce courts, do those go to juries at, at any point in time uh, where there's a way to, you know, the court says this, but if you see an injustice on any way, shape, or form, right, you as an individual get to hold that sway as opposed to going to a bench trial, which is just the judge making his own ruling under his interpretation of the law bench trial between the judge and then jury trial as a group of individuals to decide whether or not uh, the law has treated you correctly in their interpretation, the best they've been uh, told it, but then the influence of power uh, of a judge an individual who presides, who controls the room, uh, giving you instructions. You know, you're supposed to listen to the boss, and we're all a bunch of rule followers, right? Some here. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I was I was trying to I was trying to prep a wrap up for your speech. You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Judith Scheindlin. The people are real. The cases are real. The rulings are final. This is Judge Judy. If, if the whole world was like Judge Judy, would be in a lot better shape. The court of public opinion is a very strong one, and yet we, we're not allowed to hold personal opinion in the courtroom at certain points in time. And, and, uh, it's a good thought process on, on reminding ourselves that you know, we are... We are the governed. Uh, we we are governed at the consent of the governed. No, I'm screwing that up. I should stop talking about that. But either way, we're we the people are in charge. And I'm sad that now audio is going to get ripped of me. Continue. <laughs> I'm going to go lay down and show them my belly. This is uh, I got two wrap up <laughs> clips. I'm going to play back to back for a legal man here. The criminal justice system is about intimidating the innocent civilians into doing anything the government demands. Sounds pretty plain and simple to me. But do you want to do you want to hear it how it really is? Do you guys want to know how he really feels? He's got complete faith in the justice system. Uh, <laughs> you could call it that. Bullshit. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 
Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's just bullshit. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> Did you make that super cut yourself? Yeah. Oh, my God. You get three bells for that. That was nice. good. <laughs> I want to. Can you can you play that again? I kind of stepped on it. Bullshit. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's just bullshit. Oh, bullshit. Because he, he totally goes CSB there at the end. Well, at least Darren knows impression of CSB. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this th- it reminds me of the uh, what Dvorak suggested that I use more often. Bullshit! 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 That's a good bullshit! one. Where'd you find that? At? <laughs> YouTube. Nice. <laughs> Just crowd chanting bullshit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, yeah, good stuff. Bullshit! That's what I got. That was uh, that was the quash. He's got another episode. I. I started, but I hadn't, fin- I hadn't finished it yet. It was um, discussing. He's a black pill, man. Whether or not you were, or if your new genetic sequence was now property of the pharmaceutical manufacturers for the vaccines, since it technically created a new byproduct or a new, like, created material. I don't know. Monsanto. Well, it's like, uh, like, what Alex Jones has been talking about for almost uh, 20, 20 to 30 years, probably in the middle of there, 25 years, the ha- animal-human hybrids, if they just put, you know, 2 3% of an animal in a human and grow them in an underground base, with the imp- starting with the embryo, then they can, uh, they own that. That's patentable material. They crab got the human, people, that's part pig crab. or part cow <laughs> or part fish in an underground base. So theoretically, if that's true, when they inject most of the population with these DNA changing injections, then yeah, they can. Uh, if the, if the mRNA injection is patented, then and it changes the DNA of the human, then legally, by the legal definition of that, if that's all true, then they own the human being as well and their offspring. It's a scary thought, but. This is true. This is very true. It's true. <laughs> it's all a bunch of fake news. Where's my tinfoil hat? Need to increase my stocks in Reynolds Wrap or whatever the brand I have, is. I have a lot of. Uh, I, I I let me show you some documents there, Here, Billy. Let me read that to you. <laughs> let me read this to you. I'm looking for a specific uh, specific clip. It reminded uh, the listeners of this show are not criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's this one. Oi, Nina. Oh, that's not going to work. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, this uh, the uh, subtitles aren't working on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's this. Uh, there's this dude that. Um, he transforms and spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it, but he transforms his daughter into a dog and creates a uh, human animal hybrid out of her. He like puts her soul Whoa. inside of the dog and then well, the, it's like Tusk, the lead hero. Oh yeah, dude. Or he turns the, the, he turns Justin long into a walrus spoiler alert. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, shit. That's uh. I'll have to go find that sound effect. It's pretty good. I'll I'll send it to you later. Uh. That's all I had. That was uh. That was it for the quash. I'll check it out. I'm gonna check out that um patentability of people. I guess. See what happens there. I'm all in on the show today. We were. <clears throat> I think that people should listen to this and think those guys are pretty cool. Yeah, totally cool, you guys. But what people are probably going to listen to this and think, "My God, are you still talking?" <laughs> <laughs> that will be online forever. <laughs> well, Sorry, I didn't have any ISOs. I, I felt it was kind of inappropriate to pull like funny ISOs out of that set of clips I brought. Yeah, that's no, uh, that's fair enough. That, that that makes a little more sense. Um, but yeah, I know uh, I know my guy isn't punchy, but I pulled just those handful. That's okay. I, I'm bringing up the rear with a <laughs> legal man. <laughs> That is very Satan-y. This has been episode 12 of Misinformed Nation. We've had Billy Bones from A Walk Through the Minds. Thank you for hanging out. Back on the attack as always, Sir Sir Seat Setter, abs in a six-pack, and temporarily... Come on in, my friends. Temporarily, Bigfoot took my virginity, but we'll get that fixed. Bigfoot did take my virginity, but you didn't hear that from me. And I've been Booberry, Mothman, the Miniocalypse from Behind the Schemes. We all need to mask up.
Open up your eyes, man.